You are listening to History Man, a platform for historians, authors, and museum directors to tell their stories of the American Revolution, walk in the footsteps of heroes, and proclaim freedom reigns. On today's episode, we are with Steve Sudrath, the author of Trails Through Time, A History of the Blowing Rock Area. Uh, welcome, Steve. Glad to be here. Steve, we have done several episodes, and I have been on the edge of my seat through the whole thing. Uh, but we're kind of doing an overview of your book. Uh, this doesn't cover, certainly it doesn't cover everything in your book, but th these are some cool stories uh, in, that come from the Blowing Rock area. And uh, I know our listeners would love to know how they can get a hold of your book. So where would they get your book? My book can be purchased online at steve-sudderth-books dot square dot side or they can purchase it locally at the Blowing Rock Sunset Tees in Lenore at the Caldwell County Heritage Museum at Wilkes County Heritage Museum in Wilkesboro and in Boone at Deerfield Pharmacy or Foot Sloggers. Thank you Steve. I appreciate it. Steve we have we've done several episodes uh, about this area. We started off kind of like with an overview of your book the overview of this area, we went all the way back to the 1400s. My goodness, I don't know how we did that, but we, we came up into the proclamation line. We talked about the different uh, groups of people that formed the over-the-mountain region, the Watauga region of uh, Revolutionary War fame. And uh, then we started talking about the different forts in this area, and we, we talked about Jimmy Blair and Martin Gambill being the Southern Campaign Paul Revere's of, of this area and how they, uh, Martin especially, went through uh, two horses died under him as he was going through uh, the back country here, warning the settlers, calling them to arms. We know that Jimmy Blair was actually shot during that, uh, that time where he was trying to warn everybody. Uh, but now we come up uh, we come through Kings Mountain. They were actually warning everybody that Ferguson was coming up into the area and it was the precursor to Kings Mountain. Now after Kings Mountain, all the prisoners from Kings Mountain coming back through this area, correct? Yes. And uh, they're kind of taking off right and left and escaping away from the Patriots who are just as tired as the prisoners are in many respects. Uh, tell us some of those communities where you know that they have they escaped for, and, and ran back through. Where are some of those communities in this area? Nancy Alexander in her book, Here Where I Dwell, she wrote that uh, as they, mar they were marching the prisoners from Kings Mountain and they were to end up in Bethabara or Winston-Salem area with the Moravian settlement, they had a prison there, or Salisbury. And as they were marching the uh, prisoners through, a lot of them escaped. And I think only, what, 300 actually made it to the uh, prison camp. A lot of them uh, died. A lot of them escaped. And one night, the, the people of what's now Caldwell County, when they were, had the prisoners in the Patterson area near Fort Defiance, they felt sorry for them because they were eating uh, green corn and just anything they could because they didn't have anything to eat. 
And so that was as close as those prisoners from Kings Mountain actually got to Bornock, about 14 miles away. Uh, the um, only battle that was ever fought in uh, what's now Watauga County that we know of uh, happened uh, in 1781, April of 1781. The, so this is, this is well past Kings Mountain. Yeah. This is actually past Calpins, yeah, right? So correct. We're talking after where, Guilford where, Courthouse. Yeah, it's after Guilford Courthouse. We're talking Cornwallis has actually turned east, northeast. Uh, he may have gone down to Wilmington and headed northeast, and finally meets his match and, and gets surrounded at Yorktown. But we're talking about April 1781. You still have patriots here, and you still have Tories here, right? That, that's right. It was it was really a civil war in the back country of North and South Carolina. It was neighbor against neighbor, brother against brother. It was truly a civil war. That's why Cornwallis tried so hard to develop, and that's why he hired Fer or brought Ferguson in because Ferguson could actually communicate with the militia, and he built the militia up to like 4,000 troops at one point before uh, his defeat and death at um, King's Mountain. So Nathaniel Green, who was over the Continentals at that time and had met Cornwallis at Guilford Courthouse, he went back down to South Carolina. Correct. So now we just have militia on either side at this point in this community, right? Yes. Wow. And Benjamin Cleveland, Mr. Roundabout, came down from Virginia before the war and in the community of Rondon, uh, just between Elkin and Wilkesboro, built a large plantation. Which community was it? Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A. And uh, they called him Old Roundabout because he was a big man. He, he was physically big, like 300 pounds. And he built up uh, quite a plantation there. And he became a colonel of the Wilkes County Militia. And he was brutal. As bad as the Tories were, he matched them. He was very rough. Why do they call them Cleveland's Bulldogs? Cleveland's Bulldogs, Cleveland's Devils. I mean, they were, Depending they on were which a, side you were on. A force to be reckoned with, that's for sure. That is true. And if you were a Tory and you could get it Ben Cleveland, you were going to. And that brings us to April 15th, 1781, 14th and 15th, 1781. Ben Cleveland had a cattle farm, Old Fields, and that's probably where James Blair met Martin Gamble at Cleveland's Old Fields, which is in the deep gap section of uh, the new, along the new river on the Watauga, Ice County border. On the 14th, Ben Cleveland arrived at his cattle farm. A loyalist captain, William Riddle, learned that he was going to be there. Riddle stole one of Cleveland's horses and then laid an ambush for him. And Colonel Cleveland, and, or Ben Cleveland, and a fellow by the name of Richard Calloway began searching for the horse. And Captain Riddle and his men opened fire. 
Callaway didn't have any guns, according to the story, and Cleveland only had two pistols. Callaway was shot in the thigh, and Cleveland grabbed a woman at a local at a house there, a girl by the lady by the name of Abigail Walters, and he used her as a shield until uh, Riddle promised he would ransom Ben Cleveland and not kill him. That must have been quite a negotiation. At that point, Callaway and Cleveland were taken to a place called Wolf's Den, right outside the Todd community on Highway 194 between Boone and Todd. There's Riddle's Knob. And this place, uh, Wolf's Den, got its name because the lice wolves that were hunted out of this area was about 1825. What they would do is they wanted to keep getting pelts. So there was a there was a shoe wolf that used that den to birth her litters. And they would let the litters get big enough then they would go harvest the uh, the wolves for their pelts and then but they'd leave her alone. And that's why it was called the Wolf's Den. And to this day, this place is called Riddle's Knob. Anyway, that was William Riddle's hideaway. Richard Calloway's brother, Joseph, learned from uh, somebody, probably the Walters, that uh, the two men had been captured. And he went looking for uh, Ben Cleveland's brother, Robert. And they assembled uh, some of Ben Cleveland's militia, and then they went off in pursuit. At some point, I think this Callaway got away and actually led them to this. I'm not sure that the stories get kind of scratchy together. But anyway, however Ben Cleveland's men found it, they found where they were holding Ben Cleveland. And this is a story that makes the most sense to me that Callaway escaped and that they found where he was at. And Riddle had told Cleveland that he needed, he wanted a bunch of safety paces signed by him so his men could more easily move about. And Cleveland was sitting on a log, and you imagine a 300-pound man sitting on a log writing out these these paces and supposedly at the time that Cleveland was writing his final pace the Patriots had surrounded the Loyalists and opened fire on them and Cleveland rolled behind the log and they just wounded one man but Riddle and most of and all of his Loyalist men had escaped they were later captured, and there were three of them that were captured, William Riddle, uh, a man by the name of Reeves, and a man by the name of Goss. And they were taken to Wilkesboro, where Ben Cleveland tried them, and presiding over the court. Of course, they were found guilty, and they were hanged from the Tory Oak. And later, two other loyalists, a Cows and a Brown, were also hanged, that day for stealing horses. And the Tory Oak is in front of the old Wilkes Courthouse, uh, which is still there today, and they're using it as Wilkes Museum. Wow, wow. There's a, uh, there's a subsequent story or a side story about a free 
black gentleman who served in Cleveland's Devils by the name of uh, Ishmael Titus, who supposedly in the course of them wanting to get Cleveland's horses by Ishmael Titus, promised to get to go out and retrieve one of those horses and while doing so met the brother coming up with with the posse and told him where they were okay and uh so i think that's an interesting story that i found we're, we're talking about in a time when written records were were hard to find you know but uh what an interesting and exciting uh colorful story of that particular time especially with cleveland cleveland was a colorful person. He could have been his own story in and of himself. My understanding, he, he got people enthused because of his size and his voice and his magnetism. And people would just get all, you know, uh, pumped up, especially right before King's Mountain. They, you know, they have all gather around to listen to his speech. What a, what a, uh, a flamboyant guy. Yeah, so, and, and, his, and his men knew that he had their backs. It's just like the Davenport story that we talked about in another episode uh, where one of his, he said it was one of his favorite, this William Davenport was one of his favorite soldiers. And while Davenport was out with the militia, some Tories raided his home, traumatized his wife, and actually beat his son and stole some stuff. And when Ben Cleveland called him, he hung him. He hung him, right? Side note on that as we go down rabbit holes, and we tend to do that as we're talking, uh, that son, that young Davenport son, uh, McCall, I believe it was, was the guy's yes. name. McCall told him, go feed my horses. And that young Davenport boy, boy, now we're talking boy, said, go feed them yourself, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and that's why he got beat, because he talked back to the guy, and the guy was a little uh, too uh, um, too full of himself and, and, uh, and beat him, and, and he paid for it later on. Yeah. What interesting stories, man. Uh, I appreciate you sharing those with us. This was kind of a, a new land in many respects. Uh, the settlers, you talked about the how nature just kind of kind of takes hold up here, and it was unlivable in many respects. I read a story about a Cherokee, it was probably a hunting village or, or something, and they were looking down into the, into the valley, probably down near the river, where 321 crosses, crosses over the river down around Hickory, you know, coming up from Hickory going towards Lenore, Connolly Springs, Lenore, that area over there. Uh, but they, they were in their hunting village and the Cherokee made a comment that, uh, you know, he saw the settlers coming up and starting building in that community. And he was like, oh, this, we can't live up here in this, in this cold, frigid environment. And y'all were taking over our, our valleys. And, uh, and then he just ultimately, uh, there was some big peace meeting that went awry and then they went on the warpath. That uh, Nancy Alexander wrote about that in her book, uh, Here Where I Dwell, 
uh, and it was a story relayed from Sally Scott, a Native American okay. from the 1800s. It was about 100 years old when this story was recorded. Wow, okay, all right. And so, yeah, I'm familiar with that story. And they floated down the river. Is that the story you're talking about? No, that's a separate story. Okay. The, the story that you're talking about, and this is an interesting story as well, is um, John Perkins' brother, I think his name was Joshua, lived in what's now Alexander County or the eastern part of Caldwell County. Okay. During the uh, Indian raids in, in the 1760s, they found out about it and they hopped on a raft. And as they were going down the Catawba River, they were going to uh, Fort Dobbs. As they were going down the river, um, they had a slave named Henry, and he was so scared of, of everything. And so as they went, uh, Joshua Perkins said, look, be quiet, or I'm going to toss you over the side. So he got quiet. They made it to Fort Dobbs. While Waddell and his rangers were out uh, suppressing the, the, uh, the attack from the Indians, Fort Dobbs was actually attacked. And Henry actually killed two Indians that were attacking the fort and saved the women. And Joshua Perkins was so impressed that he gave him his freedom. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. That was before, before the Revolutionary Before the Revolutionary Yeah, during the Indian Wars. During the Indian Wars, okay. All right. So, listen, appreciate you sitting down with me. Tell our listeners one more time, we're, we're talking about the Trails Through Time, a history of the Blowing Rock area, 1400 to 1900. Yeah, it's dot square dot side well thank you so much steve i appreciate it i know our listeners are, are have enjoyed listening to you glad to be here Eric.